everybody. Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung. So good to be here. Hey, what a way to start the week, huh? How was everybody's Thanksgiving weekend? I want to know. Did you guys stuff your faces and bellies until you exploded? Did anybody cry? <laughs> uh, did anybody scream and have a nervous breakdown? Did anybody avoid going to their family's homes this holiday season? Did anybody spend their Thanksgiving day alone? I actually spent my Thanksgiving day alone. I don't think I've spent Thanksgiving day by myself before. Yeah, I think every year I would figure out a way to like go and be with people somehow. But the reason why this year I didn't go anywhere is because, well, A, I didn't want to. And B, uh, the person whose mother used to cook Thanksgiving dinner for us for two years, she passed away this July. So I just decided I'll just stay at home. I'll stay at home. I'll just like, I'll eat whatever I have at home. Because like Thanksgiving Day is just a day. It's like this high pressure holiday where everybody has to cook a lot for a lot of people. And there's always too much food. It's actually a, a day of gluttony. Um, and, and feeling like crap and gassy and tired. So I, I just, I, I don't know, I guess, um, I guess I'm okay with not going to Thanksgiving dinners. Yeah. Maybe I've just given up because like living in LA, I don't, I don't always go home for holidays. In fact, I never go home for holidays. And when I'm here, like I'll try to make an effort to like, find a Friendsgiving somewhere, like go and stick myself into a group holiday dinner where like five different people made five different kinds of potluck things and you just eat it. And I just didn't want to do that this year. I was just like, I don't feel like, you know, pretending to be some orphan girl with like a tin bowl asking, you know, can I get some more? Like that just seemed so sad to me. And you know, what's funny is like, Whenever I felt that way, like this, you know, like this pressure to go and be social on a social holiday. It was that feeling that gave me this orphan Annie feeling. It wasn't like, like if I just decided and was like, well, I'm just okay with staying at home. Then there is no orphan Annie feeling. You know what I'm saying? So it was like that action of me going there and doing that. It started with the idea, the thought in my brain saying, you're a stupid loser. You have to go and like plug yourself and be social. Otherwise, you're a loser. And it's like, no. <laughs> um, it's like, I've already decided in my brain at that moment, I'm going to be a loser. The only way to be like, avoid this feeling of being a loser is, you know, going and having a Friendsgiving, which ends up making me feel like a loser anyhow. You guys, I'm going to cover an old school show. It's called Into the Sunlight or Hippitsoguro. And it was written by Yi Sunmi and Kim Ki-ho. Yi-sun-mi and Kim Ki-ho, they are like a couple or or they're like a pair, like a duo writer. So Yi-sun-mi is a woman, Kim Ki-ho is a man. And these two are most famous. Actually, uh, Yi-sun-mi is the most famous for writing a show called What Happened in Bali, which I've covered on this podcast. It's That's also an old school show. And then they made another show. They co-wrote another show called Fashion King 
many years later. But before all of that, there was Into the Sunlight, which came out in 1999 on NBC. Now, uh, this show stars four veteran actors. They're all TV actors, but they've also done some film, but they're mostly famous for being TV, like K-drama actors. So we have Kim Hyun-ju. She's huge, but she does a lot of cinema these days. And then we have uh, Jang Hyuk. He's like in all the K-dramas. He's been in so many. Like, Chuno is a big one. He was in... Oh, Fated to Love You. You know, with Jang Nara. That's a big one. Successful Story of a Bright Girl. Jang Hyuk is a really good actor. I would say, like, of these four... I mean, Kim Hyun-ju is really good, too. But Chang Hyuk is, like, excellent. When it comes to, like, dramatic, visceral performance, Chang Hyuk is, like, he's the one. High-octane dude. And then you have Cha Tae-hyun, who is, like, a very, you know, friendly face. You know, just, like, chill, goofy, playful, like, cute, annoying. Yeah, he plays the rich boy. And Chang Hyuk's character and Cha Tae-hyun's character, they're half-siblings. And then there is uh, this other chick, uh, Kim Hanu. Kang Hanu is the male actor. He's pretty big these days. But Kim Hanu back in the day, oh my god, yeah, she was adored by everybody. Uh, I personally love Kim Hanu because she's really funny. She cracked me up in that show, A Gentleman's Dignity. Oh my gosh, so funny. But uh, in this show, she's a little passive and boring, like very bland, I would say. Yeah. And that is more attributed to this particular era. Like in the 90s, all Korean female K-drama act like uh, characters were just written to be very passive. Yeah. Passive, chill, like, you know, reserved, closed in. But Kim Hyun-ju's character, she plays the poor girl. So Kim Han-ae plays Soo-bin, who is the rich girl. Kim Hyun-ju plays Yeon-hee, which is the poor girl. And of course, the poor girl always has more moxie. Yeah, she has more fire and she's like a little more determined. Not all poor girl characters are like that. Like this is just this just happens to be the case. So Yanni, she's like really ambitious, determined. She has like a strong moral center, very grounded. She doesn't take shit from anybody. So this is like very interesting dichotomy. But um, I remember just like watching the show with my friend at the time when we were like in elementary school or whatever. And and she made this very like poignant observation that made me understand like TV analysis, like story analysis. So there's a scene where Inha, the rich boy, his mother, his birth mother happens to be a cabaret, like a cabaret dancer. And she works at a club, like as a singer, but it's also full of pervy drunk men and like they would grab her and stuff. And so Inha, the first day he goes to like see his estranged mother as an adult, he sees his mother getting harassed by drunk men. And she is like so you know, embarrassed and like runs away and she's like crying. And then Inha just goes, finds privacy and he starts crying. And then I remember my friend pointing this out. Like she just like analyzed their emotions for me. And she was just like, Inha is crying because he's sad to see his mother go through that. And the mother is crying because she feels sorry for having abandoned her son for this long. And she's embarrassed that he just saw her getting harassed. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, 
this is a thing to analyze people's emotions and piece together their histories while looking at television. Like this is a thing. So I remember, I remember this moment very vividly because I was noting how my friend was noting or reading people's emotions, right? Because yeah, like you have a character crying on the screen. Okay, it's obvious that something is causing them to, you know, exhibit this emotion. But what are the causes behind it? What is the story behind it? And my friend had been watching the series from the from the beginning, so she just knew like what was happening. I was more or less tuning into this show. Like whenever I would go to her house, so I did not see this show from beginning to end, like in full completion, until very recently. Yeah, like during the pandemic lockdown, basically. And um, I'll be honest, like the show, it has not aged well. By that, I don't mean that like you know it's inappropriate. A lot of it's not. That's not what I mean. More just like, um, yeah. I mean, our attention span has now changed. It's evolved at this point in time, like over 25 years later, not 25, like over 20 years later, our attention span has changed. So there's no way I could watch this show and enjoy it anymore. You know what I'm saying? One thing I will say about this show, though, is uh, it's got a very like interesting way of dealing. Like, I think all K-dramas in the 90s, like they would wrap up in a really weird way. The way that they wrap up shows and end them it's actually very camp, like, because it's ridiculous. Because it's like the show would have so many moments of like heavy drama where people are crying and sobbing and weeping and like, you know, uh, uh, like sort of, you know, feeling all like dark and shadowy and like, you know, being all emo and shit. Like there's been a lot of that. And then, <laughs> and then in the end, they just wrap it up in like a goofy way. In like a hilarious and goofy way. And I was just like, how funny. How funny that suddenly like everything's lighter again. And like nobody gives a shit, you know. For some reason, when I was younger, I just couldn't accept that. I was like, how could you just like abandon all of these feelings? Like I haven't finished processing them, you know. So that's all it is. Like you just like some people take longer to process feelings. Like me, I take a like a really long time to process feelings. <laughs> That's that's changing a lot though too. Um, I'm noticing like the time span, like the time frame after some upset thing happens, like it's reduced a lot. Like I know how to talk myself off the cliff in a lot shorter time than I used to be able to. Back when I was in middle school, for instance, yeah. Back then, forget about it. Like you give me a bad ending, I'm not gonna forgive you for a year and a half. Like it was like that. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. 